Welcome to the Confessions of a Reluctant Caregiver podcast. We're happy you're here. On the podcast, we're certain that you'll relate to the caregiver stories and find comfort with your honorary sisters. Now, before we start, I want to remind you to go to our website, confessionsofareluctantcaregiver.com, and sign up for our newsletter. It's full of useful information that you can immediately use. Now, let's learn more about today's guest. Hey, Jay. Hey, Nat. Guess what today is? Oh my gosh. I don't know, Natalie. Why are we here? Oh, it's time for another confession. And guess who we have today? Jennifer Aniston. No, but close. Oh, oh. <laughs> basically the same, but better. Uh, Brad Chris, Pitt? No, Chris McClellan. Oh, oh my gosh. That is, is so much better. He's so awesome. And <laughs> Chris is on here. Clearly Chris is just sitting here watching us be idiots. That's true. Um, I thought but- you were going to say Wilford Brimley. Uh, <laughs> I don't know who that is. You don't know who Wilford? Well, he's kind of my double, but he's since passed on, but that's okay. Okay. Oh, <laughs> oh that's that was notice the pot the pregnant pause. The whole audience were all like the tribe. Hmm. Who is that? Who's we're all going to go look that up. Hello. We, we should say we Google. Should Wilford, Hello, Siri. You, you'll you'll, uh, you'll definitely recognize him. Oh, once okay. you yeah. Okay, awesome. everybody, we will we will post that photo along with our podcast. <laughs> I'm so yeah. I am so excited though to have Chris because yep. Jay, you know, we've had lots of conversations with Chris and he yeah. is, he is a sibling. He is, he is, yeah. we have lots of honorary sisters, but we don't have brothers and Chris True. is our brother for sure. True Wrong on sisters, so many yeah. levels. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I just could. I just fit right in. Yeah, that's I, true. That's true. Totally do. Totally. Yeah, it do. was kind of like from the, from the first day we all talked. But we been, were besties. It's been months ago. So oh my you god, know, we were besties. You know. Well, I mean, we can. I can tell Chris is. I can do your bio and everything, Chris. But and you're the founder, of course, and the CEO of the Whole Care Network. The Whole Care Network. The Whole Care Network. Which, if okay, folks, if you're not on that, that's uh that's a whole network, and it's about caregiving. You know, that's where our podcast is hosted um, or one of the places that it's posted and there's there's loads of podcasts on there if you're not familiar with it you need to get on it whole care network oh but you Chris, know our friend nicole's on there oh that's we'll true. gather we've had nicole on yeah elizabeth's Elizabeth on Miller there with yeah. happy healthy caregiver she's yeah. awesome too we're gonna get we're, her on our Chris, show we're just too. promoting everybody we're promoting everybody <laughs> but, well, because, you know because it's I, I gotta so talk resourceful about, yeah i know it's resourceful i like I know. that it's resourceful uh, all care all the time, all care, all, all the time, all the time. All the time. Yeah. I love but that. I, I love Chris that you, I, I feel like people, we like want to give you the kudos because you have since the very beginning, you've been a big supporter. You're like a promoter for us, but you're also a mentor. And so you're always sharing mm-hmm. information and you're an inspiration. And we just, first we love all, you. Say thank we're you. like a Chris fan. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> we're a Chris so, fan. Okay. Now, now we're going to get serious. Okay. okay serious. So, Jay, pull okay, it together. Serious. Okay, so uh, Chris, uh, his caregiving journey um, is a story of terminal illness with his partner Richard, who has uh, who passed on. And but you were featured uh, in a 2015 Pulitzer Prize uh, nominated story entitled yes. "In Sickness and in Health: A Couple's Final Journey," um, which is beautiful. Um, that journey propelled you to write a book because you you know wow um what's the deal with caregiving and from that you developed the whole care network uh and today uh you've hosted multiple podcasts have podcast on and what i love is that the goal is to share stories which 
we do to support caregivers before, during, and after caregiving. Yeah. Yeah. which is a wow. So thank you for being here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so let's talk because you pass wisdom on to us everything. You have passed so many nuggets on to me personally about my journey. And um, so t- tell us everything. Tell I mean, just your where, where, journey. Yeah. yeah tell us about the beginning. it. You were born and then just push forward. Was born yeah. and then I well and then you became then you a became a caregiver. <laughs> and then I became a caregiver. Well actually my, my four sisters would say would say a few other things. But oh that's important to know. He has four I, sisters. I do. They're and they're and they're all older. Oh <laughs> fantastic. Chris is you the, the baby. baby. <laughs> I am the baby. So but uh you know and I and I I talk about my sisters quite a bit. And I have a brother as well and and huh. uh, uh but I I know that I got my care gene from my sisters. Mm. You know, I have 25 nieces and nephews, some of which are right around my age because my oldest sister is 18 years older than me. Wow. And her her friends at high school used to say, they, they'd see me as a, a as a young adult. They'd say, well, you know, I used to change your diaper in high school. And I said, oh, my God. Great. That feels you? so great. I'm so glad you said it in public. <laughs> Thank yeah. You. But uh, I... Um, I feel I'm very fortunate um, to be the youngest because I was able to gain so much uh, uh, knowledge and experience from watching my my siblings raise their kids Mm -hmm. and the love and care that they had. And that kind of just propelled me when was my turn to be a caregiver. Mm, That's a good Uh, way to put it, my turn, because everybody gets a turn. Everybody's going to have a turn. Everybody gets a turn. Yeah, it's not the turn turn. you sign up for either. You're like, oh, no. What is it you you say, Chris? Uh, (laughs) I haven't met one person that's had caregiving on their bucket list of things to do in life. Preach. That's it. (laughs) You know, absolutely. I kept looking at my bucket list. I didn't see it, but but uh, when Richard was diagnosed with esophageal cancer, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we were we were thrust into that role and. Mm I, th- I think the the I have a background in social work, and I've worked in senior care. I've worked in churches. Uh, you know, I've helped others uh, in uh, as a role as a social worker. But when you're in, when the roles reverse and they change, and you become the uh, uh, the one who is in need of the information and referral, mm. it's it's different. I think it is different. It was different for me. I mean, as a fellow social worker, I forgot because right. I, I knew I'm like, I knew you were a social worker because I knew that's why we immediately connected that's why we, more than <laughs> more than you and JJ. And uh, I'm not commenting on that. You cannot. You. JJ Thank threw you. out. Do y'all notice how JJ threw out like, oh, he's talked to me more than now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's important because no matter how prepared you think you are. Yeah. It hits you completely differently mm-hmm. when you have the role, when you're in the different seat. It's about what seat you're in. Right. And so go exactly. ahead. Exactly. And the and the emotions that are attached to it. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know, the person that's entrusted, you know, you're the person that's in, is entrusted in your care, whether that's a you know, a parent or a sibling or a spouse or a partner. Mm-hmm. You know, it uh, I always like to say uh it's like having two relationships in one that that a re- 
relationship that was already established was always there. And then this thing called caregiving pops in and it changes the relationship. Uh, For some people, it strengthens the relationship. Uh, It did for Richard and I, Mm -hmm. Uh, but for other people, it, um, uh, it doesn't, you know, it, it has a, it, it has an impact on the relationship. And I, and, you know, everything I, you know, I say, today and anytime I'm talking to another caregiver, a lot of this is learned after the fact, because when you're in the middle of it, you're often reacting, right? Right. You're testing new water. So there's nine zillion things that I'd like to do different (laughs) if Mm -hmm. I had uh, from that experience. But that's why folks like myself um, stay in it. Because we know that the information that we've and the experience that we have, if even if we just share it with one person who's coming after us, we know that we're helping them. Yeah. Now, so, you talk about, oh, oh, go ahead. No, excuse no, no. me, Nat. No. Did you watch us? We always are like, what? No. what? <laughs> I never knew sisters talked over one another. I mean, we feel that's like probably we, something new. I'm going to start using my hand. Yeah, we feel like we should raise our hand, you know, when people are watching us on YouTube. So you talk about the things, Chris, that you you were reactive during the, the time when you were really super active when you were in it with Richard. So how long have you had to reflect? What year did Richard pass? Well, uh, Richard passed and uh, where we just cele- celebrated. That's not the right word. But right. It was nine years uh, okay. on, on uh, March 9th. Yeah. And, uh, and actually it's, uh, I think it's today that we're celebrating <laughs> the word celebrating where the story was published in the newspaper. It was nine years wow. ago, right around this time, 12th yeah. or 13th that we're recording this. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I've had, uh, I've had nine years since yeah. my caregiving journey has ended and the active the, caregiving, the, the active, active cause it's, you're still in it. Yeah. I'm still in it. You know, yeah. I, you're still you know, reflecting and. I, and- yeah, you you know the life after caregiving is can be just as tumultuous as caregiving. Yeah. It's uncharted waters. Yeah. You know you're, uh, and it's not often talked about. You know I don't. You know in our Western culture we don't often talk about our feelings as it relates to uh, when life transitioned. Um, and there was times people criticized me for my grief and I, I don't really understand that. And I, mm. but I, I, I do know that there are these three components to caregiving, you know, the before, during, and after have all different impacts. And I think that's why, you know, folks that, uh, the, I've had the privilege of meeting on this journey and, uh, you guys are a perfect example of this in the midst of caregiving. You, you, you want to share your experience because you know that it's going to be helpful. But with that, it's also cathartic. Mm, it is. Absolutely. Yeah. So when you were, I want to back up a little bit further. So I think about, because <clears throat> you're, Richard was your partner. Um, how long had you guys been together? And then how long was his illness? Um, like how did that, like, how did that change your relationship? How did that yeah. impact? Cause I think about me and Jason and it, you yeah. said caregiving changes a relationship. I'm going to say a thousand percent. 
That is so a hundred percent true. And you, it's hard to, when you're in the middle of it, it's so hard to see that it's how it's really changing your relationship relationship until you kind of look back almost until you like look back, right? You don't because even realize it's changed until it's because when you're in the midst of the middle and when you're in the middle of it, yeah, you don't see those subtle changes that happen, mm-hmm. whether it's oh, physical, yeah. uh, spiritual, uh, personal. You don't you don't notice it because you're you're in the midst of it every day. But you know, we were, you know, we had eleven wonderful years together. Mm-hmm. And he uh, he was diagnosed in early 2011, mm-hmm. given three to four months to live, and mm. lived another 29 months. Wow, uh, that that has to be hard when you have a diagnosis. Like it's one thing for the individual to say, and we've not talked to anybody about this like this. And I hope this is okay. You can say too oh, yeah. much. But we've not, you know, it's one thing for the individual themselves to say, you have three to four months, five months to live for the individual. But I, we haven't, like, I can't imagine what it's like for you as a caregiver for this, for the lovey. That's what I look at it. You're, you're the lovey. And what do you do with that? What like, do you do? What do you do? Like, and, you know, you and I pissed and you just go start throwing crap and you like, like what, like literally, cause I would be mad. I would just, well, yeah, and that's hard. I, I, uh, and I remember this day like it was yesterday, and it's yeah. probably it's been you know whatever we're in, we're in 2023, so it's probably not 11 or 12 years ago. But when the oncologist, uh, and, and I'll just give you the the, the I'll try to do the cliff note version, but um, you know the oncologist came in and given all these stories, and, you know this this it's you know there's where the cancer is, mm-hmm. these are the options, and so Richard. Um, uh, stepped out and went to the restroom. And so then I, I looked at the oncologist and I said, okay, so, you know, what are we looking here? What's the time frame?" And he said, you know, three to four months, let him do whatever he wants to do. Mm. And it's like, <laughs> like, oh my God. Um, but here's a key, I think, and again, every caregiving situation is different. Every relationship yeah. is different. Yeah. I knew Richard better than the oncologist did. Yeah. And I made a conscious decision that I was going to give this a month before I told him. I wanted to see that we were going to start doing, you know, we were going to do a little treatment. We were gonna, I wanted to see how he reacted after being off the treatments and being at home. You know, he had, goodness, I probably, he had probably lost 30 pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, he was a fighter. I mean, he grew up in Brooklyn, lived in Manhattan. He was five foot two. He took no prisoners. Yeah. And I made that conscious decision knowing that if I saw, uh, him deteriorating, I would have that conversation with him. Yeah. I told him a year later, I said, you know, <laughs> Look at this. Isn't that interesting? The doctor didn't tell him the time frame, and that he didn't even, and that he didn't ask. He didn't ask. Mm-mm. No, it's almost you like know, blissful was, ignorance in that yeah, sense. You know, he, Richard came from this era of Stonewall and and living in New York in the '60s, and um, 
And being, you know, the other interesting component of our relationship is he was, he always liked to say, well, you know, I'm an agnostic Jew and you're a Catholic seminarian. I said, well, that's a perfect match. Uh, But he was one of the most spiritual people that I'd ever met. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, So he was grounded. And that's why I I felt comfortable. And this is where, you know, the, the, intertanglings of a relationship comes in. Absolutely. You know, I felt comfortable holding that back, knowing that if this was going south quickly, that I was going to have to say something. But on a sidebar to that, he and I already had had all the kind had had started the conversation about Mm -hmm. end of life, what the wishes were, what he wanted at end of life. I knew exactly where the you know, where the paperwork was done, I, 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 all throughout that journey, I any decision that I made was I could reference because he and I had had that conversation about what his what his wishes were. You know, my, my role in this and every caregiver's role, no matter what, no matter if you're a daughter. Uh, a spouse, a friend, the role is that of an advocate. You're speaking on behalf of uh, the person that you're caring for. Um, there was times when I, <laughs> I didn't really agree with some of his thoughts, but you know what? I wasn't the one taking the radiation treatments. Yeah. I wasn't going to chemotherapy. I was there as the co-pilot supporting him 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I shared in the, I shared in the sadness, but I wasn't taking the medicine. And I think that's what, you know, the message of our stories, they all resonate in caregiving because, you know, it's the stories of what binds us all together. Yeah. You know, you, one of the nuggets that you gave me uh, several months ago, Chris, was we talked about the words that mom shared with me, those hurtful words. And what you said to me was, you know, remember it's the disease, JJ. Um, yeah. You know, it's the disease talking. It's the disease talking. Yeah. yeah. And that's just beautiful to me because I think so many times you have to realize that when you're being hurt or it is. And what you said there with, you know, it's you're, you're sharing the sadness, but you're not taking the medicine. People have to realize that. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, you want to do what you can. Yeah. um, Because you, you know, I I wanted to take the pain away from him. Yeah. But I also, you have to recognize that our caregiving capes are limited. You know, we can't change (laughs) somebody else's destiny as much as I'd like to snap and say, oh, be gone, esophageal cancer. This is, you know, we're we're limited in, in what we can do over and above supporting and being there for the person. And, and I, I think also not to be Pollyannic, and I certainly get that there's some people that uh, can't do this job. Yeah. And that's okay too. Mm-hmm. Just step up and admit it. Yeah. Don't do something that you don't feel like you want to do because that's, that puts both people in a, In a very precarious situation. So, you know, I think that's so true. 
I think you have to give yourself permission to to tag yourself out or raise your hand to say, I'm not the right person to do this. And it doesn't mean I'm lesser. Um, because <laughs> if you can't, uh, you know, you can, again, it goes back to almost like Pollyanna, you should go into it with a joyful heart, knowing that there are times that your heart is going to feel like Satan's playground has been there. Because <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you, like, JJ can say some of the things that people say that are hurtful, but I have, I am guilty of getting, of feeling pushed and I go into it. I like went into it with Jason and I was like, my uh, cape was really long. Your, and cape, I, your cape was flowing. You it were was like, flowing. I am <laughs> that, right. that daughterhood, that chick that with the cape flow thing behind her. That's the best. It. But mm-hmm. the problem was, is then I felt like somebody kept stepping on it and my throat gets choked. And some of the things that probably came out of my mouth out of frustration because my cape get, kept getting. Big visualization there. I, I got it too. Beep. I got it. Like, so let me ask, uh, because I know that you have like a, a toolbox of resources as far as the ways that you got through it. You guys started a blog together and yeah. the purple jacket, <laughs> the purple and, jacket blog. Right. And it was, I, I look at it. So is that one of the ways, because you share that story and I, I probably, you weren't like a big blogger before. Um, like, is this yeah. your first that was you know? my first endeavor into this. And that's where yeah, right. this all got started. You know, we mm-hmm. um we did the blog together. Yeah. Um, it was a symbolism because I have a, a purple jacket. Uh, and I still have the purple jacket, by the yeah. way. The original purple jacket that I can't fit into, but that's a whole other story. You know what? <laughs> Just because it got in the dryer doesn't I pr- mean... I pray me. one day that I, you know, I, there was a couple of years ago where I did get into it just a little bit. Um, but uh, no, it was kind dress. of like our symbolism. <laughs> yeah. uh, and and through that um, through that experience, we, you know, we met a number of people along the way. Uh, you know, we got connected with an online um, uh, support group. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of those folks that I'm still in touch with today. Yeah. Uh, but it was something that, um, again, it was cathartic. And you think back 2011, we're yeah. 12 years past that now, how different technology is. I mean, that little blog, that's why when I go back and look at it, it's like, oh my God, what a mess. But it's, it, What's there though, and I appreciate you saying that, JJ, is that you know that that's the home of our story. Yeah. You know, I'll never take that down. It's like, it's like yeah. 12 bucks a year to to look at it. But uh yeah. uh you know, people connected with us there. Yeah. You know, Richard's nickname, TLO, was yep. born from there. TLO, uh, the little one, Richard was a yep. foot shorter than me. Oh. Like and he that. loved it. You yeah. know, he loved, he loved the comments, you know, he loved, people would say, how's TLO doing today? <laughs> and, you know, what, what that did for me, it's, uh, you know, kind of propelled me, you know, I, I had mentors along the way. Um, it, it, it kind of propelled me into this. Um, it's, I don't, I've never really had the right word because I don't look at it as a business. I don't look at it, I, you know, kind of like a calling. Yeah. Um, you know, I have five, six years in the Catholic seminary and, and in, for uh, a lot of reasons, this is kind of like a, a ministerial component for me because, uh, you know, it touches all those areas. 
that that uh, ministry does without the formal ordination um, because you're you know you're helping people you're helping you're helping people get through struggles and sharing the uh, your background and what what worked what didn't work for us um, yeah. that's why yeah, it's but- hard that's why it, it's always a, you know it's it's always going to be a part of me one way or another yeah but you're so here's the thing you're a social worker yeah. You were, if there's something in your, as you grew up with your sisters, especially, I mean, right. yes, you have a brother, whatever, but, yeah. um, but if you and we get along, it, I get along really well with my and brother. And that's really and super and, sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and but you sisters. sisters. Sister. And so like, no, she's like, but you have sisters. And know. so who, who, FYI, you can't see, you can see a little teeny bit on the left-hand side. If you're watching the YouTube, you can see some of Chris's sisters in the background. And yeah. so, oh, now he's turned his camera. So yeah, it's where they're beautiful. His, it's they're like wonderful all these sisters. family photos. And so I, but I think. You're a social worker, though. It totally makes sense to me that you're going to say, because you're a helper, you're a servant. That's you're what you're, a helper. You know, you have, yeah, that's, that's the, what you're. That's what you're called what, to do. So it's right. not only your your professional mission, but it's your personal mission. Because anyone who does social work or works in human services or works towards serving others, it makes perfect sense to me that you would have thought, okay. You you got a little bit of your social worker hat on while this right. is going through, and you're yeah. like, okay, what can we do? And you know that journaling is therapeutic, it's and so to start the blog, the blog is just a very visual public journal. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you, we used Caring Bridge; it was so healing for me. And Jason would read through mm-hmm. what I would write, but he would. He always read the responses. From read me. the responses. He really, and he never wrote a word, but I would talk about what's going on, talk about what's, it was the way that he actually knew what was going on with me because I would write how I was feeling. I get it. Mm-hmm. And because it's yeah. hard to have a, as a caregiver, and I don't know if you felt this way with Richard, it was hard to have a conversation about how I was feeling and to with Jason because I felt like such a jerk to say, hey, I feel really bad and this sucks and I really hate this. And oh, FYI, you've got cancer. So I feel like a total B. By the way. <laughs> I feel like a total B for bitching and complaining. <laughs> and so I didn't know if you were able to ever really have those conversations with Richard about how you were feeling. Well, um, not so much, but let me tell you about Richard's wisdom in this. He knew yeah. if there was if there was one person who knew what this was doing to me, it was him. Because yeah. he would often say, You're not taking care of yourself. You're, you know, I used to where we lived in Florida, I would get on my bike and I'd go bike ride up and down uh a1a which is kind of parallel mm-hmm. to the ocean sounds like we live on the ocean but no i had to drive the car to the, but that, <laughs> that's okay we know you're bush <laughs> yeah we yeah. live in the barrier <laughs> islands no, but, but you know and i used to rollerblade and, and i yeah. do, used to do all those things um that you know all of a sudden 50 pounds later you wreck you you know you you don't see it yourself but the person that you is you're caring for sees it because yeah. and this is a very important point they know your care partner knows 
whether the words are said or not, that you're their lifeline. And if you're not taking care of yourself, they're wondering, well, what's going to happen to them? And all too, especially as, as it relates to uh, dementia care. And, you know, Richard did not have dementia, but uh, um, he often thought I did, but that's supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> but Whatever. that's part of his, that's part of his humor. But, uh, um, you know, we, we lose, we, we kind of lose track of our own needs our own care because we're so focused on caring for somebody else. But that person you're caring for, they know they may, they may not be able to articulate it. Uh, Especially as Richard was able to articulate it, but they know because they recognize you're their lifeline. And Mm -hmm. if something happens to you, what's going to happen to them? That's why I would just, you know, we were fortunate. We had open conversations. We, you know, um, not everybody has that uh, comfort zone, but I encourage people to find their comfort zone with their, you know, use the generic word, their care partner, so that everybody knows what the, what, um, oh, so everybody knows what they're feeling and how they can make a, an emergency just a tad bit easier because there will be, there will be an emergency. Hey ladies, I need to interrupt for just a second to share about the sisterhood membership. It's basically a sale every day. And the best part, it's free. Here's the details. We're partnering with our friends at Benefit Hub and other care partners to save you money. With over 200,000 participating companies across the U.S. and abroad, you'll find discounts at your favorite local stores, huge savings on vacations, amazing deals on home, auto, and supplemental insurances, and everything in between. Go to confessionsofareluctantcaregiver.com to sign up and then definitely tell your friends about it. They can join too. Trust me, there's a discount for everyone. And don't forget, it's free. Okay, back to confessing. So I know, and I keep going back because the purple jacket is so interesting to me. <laughs> so, Thank you. But you you talked about, you, you say that was somewhat, uh, it was a symbol of self-care and self-compassion. Yeah. And that that self-compassion portion of it and the fact that Richard is really... You, you talk about that, but you talk about, and the fact that you put on there, because Chris, you're so honest in some of your, in the stuff that you've written. Um, and I read some of this in your bio information is, you know, you gained 50 pounds. So there are things that impacted you in the caregiving. Right. And mm-hmm. I know a lot of our uh, list, if you're listening out there and you've had things like, okay, I, I just mentally am exhausted. I've had physical impact from caregiving. Like, can you, you what, like for you, personally like what are some of those things and then where do you feel like you got back on track when you started doing that self-care and self-compassion like what helped you like what is your what is your advice yeah what's your go-to well my go-to um is it rollerblading is it bowling uh, i knew it was rollerblading (laughs) i mean i've heard about some i heard some bow i heard some bowling stories but you know (laughs) you know i i I've bowled a f- one every once in a while. That's a whole. <laughs> I, I think my, you know, again, some of this is in in retrospect. Yeah. Uh, you know, for me, uh, it was the blogging. Yeah. It was it was talking to other caregivers, 
It was talking to people who understood. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, because we're you know the, the word journey always comes up in caregiving. We're all on right. this journey, and and uh, it, and what I've learned in, along the way is there's no strangers when it comes to caregiving. Mm -mm. We all know each other. Uh, we may not know each other personally per se, but we understand. And I think for me that that um, that comfort that came from talking to other folks, knowing that I could call somebody if I was having a, a bad day, or you know, Richard and I, we, <laughs> we, you know, it sounds like everything was always hunky dory, but you know, he and I had a pretty major blow up six weeks before he died because when he decided he wasn't going to take any more medicine, but that's all. Uh, but you, you, you have to find the outlet, whatever that outlet is for you. Mm -hmm. For me, rollerblading, um, bike, biking, uh, sitting, you know, we were fortunate, you know, again, I had to drive to the ocean, but sitting on the, sitting on the bench and, and, you know, sometimes it was just him and I sitting on the couch watching TV. It's the shared, it's those it's the shared, shared times. Yeah. It's yeah. the shared time. And that's what I miss. That's what I miss the most about him. Yeah. You know, I, I'd give my right arm for him to still be here, but not as he was the last mm -hmm. six months. He wouldn't want that. No, no I totally agree with you. It is. It's, I, I talk about glimmers. It's finding the glimmers or those silver lining, those moments in the day that you have you for a split second, you forget the the cancer moves out from in between you. And it could be the diagnosis moves out right. from in between you. And so right. rather it was, there's a photo of Jason and I sitting on look in the park off East, East 57th, looking at uh, Roosevelt Island on the East river. And it was so yeah. sunny and it was, and we were only there for 15 minutes. Cause that's all I could stand. But <laughs> in that moment is the moment that we felt so connected and just, we forgot about cancer for 15 minutes. Yeah. Those are the moments I will never forget that. Those are those moments that are important. Yeah. And those are, the, and those are, those are the moments that bind people together. Yeah. You know, one of the, we signed off our blog, our purple jacket blog all the time by saying we might have cancer, but cancer never had us. Mm. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I mean, well, that doesn't have you. Ah, and it still doesn't have us. You know, I, I, uh, you know, I'm going to kind of get lighthearted here for, cause it's been <laughs> really deep and serious. But, uh, uh, which is good, but you know, there's even uh, <laughs> leading up to two days before he died, when I've got my copious notes with the hospice and I'm talking to the hospice, you know, we were just coming here to get our meds changed and, we, you know, and you know, he's not responding. What is going on? <laughs> and they looked at me and they said, Chris, we don't know how this man has lived as long as he's lived, considering the amount of cancer that's in his body. Mm. It's a testament to the love and care that the two of you have had that he's lived this long. It's like, I think I 
I think I cried for an hour after that. Wow. I don't blame you. Yeah. It, it so, shows the power of connection. Yeah. Because it, does, and, it really yeah. does. And how that impacts the body, how relationships yeah. impact mm-hmm. people. I mean, we were, we were about as opposite two people beyond the heights but we connected in one right behind the very two opposites attract you know one of my you know one of my sisters asked me uh she said how did the two of you why did you you know because they saw it how did you two connect so well well we were the youngest we were both the youngest of our families and there was a distance between the siblings and you know it's you know we we had shared experiences that were similar, but, but different, but we just, I mean, we just connected. Mm. Um, and we, that, that, that helped too. in in bringing in humor yeah. into the situation. And here's an, here's some, here's some humor when the, when the nursery Humana comes and sits down at the table and she's going <laughs> so funny, she's going through all the, all the notes and telling him, what he should eat. It was just, you know, all these healthy things. And he looked at her and said, look, lady, I'm between 80 and death. I'm going to eat whatever I want to eat. That's exactly right. (laughs) I am not going to die of heart disease. So, And if I do, I won. I'm not going to lie to you. I won. And that was his deadpan, you know, oh my God, the lady, she just, yeah, you know what? You're right. Yeah. Well, she's yeah. like, screw it. Right. It yeah. was right. Yeah. I'm hoping that indigestion gets me, ma'am, but uh nothing else. <laughs> so but then, you know. then, yeah. And then the other one, the other one that I think is important to and we kind of touched on it, but it's you know, it's you know, creating that care team. Yeah. You, know, oh, you can't yeah. do this all by yourself. We hear that so much, Chris. Yeah, and everybody can have, you know, everybody has a talent, a role that they can play. And, uh, you know, and here's the example that I always use with folks when I, when I talk to them about creating a team and feeling comfortable about reaching out, you know, one of the, let's just talk frankly here, like, like we haven't been talking frankly, but I know, right? you <laughs> but, should really you know, open let's up talk more. about, you know, one of the areas of caregiving that a lot of people don't like to do, but they, they toileting. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. That takes a relationship to a different level. It does. Whether, especially if it's a parent, oh. uh, you know, taking your mom or dad to helping them uh, at, at the most intimate times. And, you know, Richard was fearless. He was fiercely independent and him asking for help was hard. But when it came to the time where he needed help for the restroom, we, we made a joke about it. Of course. Of course it was time. <laughs> it was time for a pooperama. <laughs> we that is relationship know, right there, Chris. He did, he, you know, he'd look at me, I'd look at him, and he'd say, It's time for a pooperama. We didn't, he didn't say I need help, but he just said he, you know, that was our code. Some days he'd be strong enough to get up and go and walk by himself with me standing behind him. Some days he had to use the walker, but I want to tell, tell you and all your listeners and viewers, some of the best, most intimate conversations the two of us had those last six months 
was him sitting on the pot, me standing at the door, talking about our life mm-hmm. together, talking about the things we, the, you know, the trips, the transatlantic cruises, the places we've been, the, the times together, uh, what, what we wanted to continue to do. Um, that's why it's an honor to care for somebody. Those conversations, those pooperama conversations <laughs> were the best, were, were just the best part of those last six months yeah. because there's nothing more raw or intimate than having somebody help you in the, in the bathroom. You feel very, you're vulnerable. There's, there's a, I totally agree. The fact that you could have a pooperama because anyone who has cared for someone who has cancer or who has an illness that requires a lot of medication, the fact that you can have one, that's great. Cause we talked about the bathroom a lot. Jason was on so many pain meds and I don't want anybody to tell him I said that, but everybody knows when you're on pain meds. You're on pain meds. It's you can easily poop, have a hard pooper, time. Pooperamas are infrequent. Yes. And so <laughs> that's why those conversations during pooperama is right. so valuable because honestly, it's it's such a bit that's the thing. Bowel movements are not talked about enough in public. Like Natalie, there's no normal that, conversation. Chris, I'm laying down the law here because she's gonna wanna name this 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 podcast, Pooperama, and I'm going to have to lay down the law and she's not going to be able to do that. So, <laughs> Well, and I have to give you, I have to kind of give you a heads up. My next book is called Pooperama, Tales from the Capone. Yes, <laughs> that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have the, I'll send you the, I have the cover and we're working on it. And <laughs> oh, that makes me so. From the commode. I, yeah. I would like at least a t-shirt or something. Can I want get, a Pooperama like, t-shirt. <laughs> I want swag. Oh my, oh my gosh. Swag. I made it through Pooperama. So, I made it through Pooperama. I just, and I know I'm like, oh my gosh, we have so much to learn from Chris, but I want to, I know that you, you wrote a book after t- the first book, obviously right. it was not Pooperama, right. um, but then you, I, I love when because there are so many, there's, if you're out there and you, you say to yourself, you know, I'm, I'm in the journey or I finished the journey, but I haven't done these crazy things that so many listeners or so many of our, our guests have done, but you took this, this experience and you turned it into a lot more. Yeah. Um, so just tell us a little bit yeah. about the whole care network, because I think people don't understand, people don't know. I didn't know it was If out you there. don't know the whole care network, what give us our tell spirit. us tell the tell, tell well, well actually um you know the the whole care network is kind of a it started out as a hobby and I was <laughs> like, it's like it was my way of giving back to caregivers mm-hmm. uh i you know as time progressed i moved into podcasting which i think is the the best medium for for uh, caregivers because you hear the voice, you hear the stories, you hear the inflections, you hear the yep. reality of what's going on. And so I just, you know, it's like kind of like whole care for the person. Mm. You know, that's what the, that, that's what caregiving is really about. It's whole care. And so, you know, we kind of started those kind of started the whole care network. We I and you mentioned Elizabeth Miller. Elizabeth's a kind of a perfect example of of what I tried to set up 
for the whole care network. She was one of my first, one of my, one of our first podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, and now she's a solo entrepreneur with seven, 8,000 downloads uh, per show. Uh, she's giving her message. She's sharing her message as there right. is with uh, many other people out there. Yeah, right. That, you know, it's, yeah. it's this, it's this niche market. And I, I use that word lightly, but it, you know, it is a, uh, uh, you know, for me, it was an opportunity to give back to the, the caregiving community. And it also comes from my, you know, kind of my, my first job as a, in social work in St. Louis in the, in the 1980s, if you can believe that, but, uh, <laughs> or I was the director of an information and referral service hotline for Catholic charities. Mm. You know, we'd have people call in from anywhere from, well, what time is mass at the cathedral till, you know, I'm thinking of commit, thinking about committing suicide. I mean, you talk about. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, well, I mean, you did say information and referral. Information so. yeah. and referral. Mm. And, but mindful that the mid eighties, there wasn't like these, <laughs> it was all on Rolodex and maps that we looked all this information up. So this is, you know, I, I come from a background of, a trusted information and referrals mm. uh, uh, to help people maneuver whatever crisis uh, that they might be in. And that's kind of what the premise of the my thoughts of developing the whole care network was on this information and referral service type of um, uh, availability for people like, like myself when, where, what was I trying to do when I got, got to caregiving? I was, I was going to Google. Well, Google a lot different in 2011 than it is now. Uh, And so, you know, this network was built so that people could share their stories because I'm a firm believer that the best information and referral and resources are from one caregiver to another. Another caregiver is not going to tell another caregiver that to go to... uh, go to this place or that doctor when they've had a bad, bad experience. It's not going, it's not going to happen. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely uh, So you can, you know, I've had people approach me about, you know, advertising on the network and I'm all open to all that, but, you know, I want to know your why. What's your story? Why are you in this? Because people who've been in it, for a long time, understand that's one of the most component important components. And with the with the what technology is doing for caregiving these days, I mean it's it's phenomenal. But any caregiver who's listening uh, are searching for information, are looking for that magic wand that's going to help just even one day. They want to know what your why is. So that they feel comfortable in accessing your service, your product, your, and that's where I come back where I say it's, you know, the, on the podcasting, because you can, like with what, what you've started here, people know immediately what your why is, and you, you become a trusted resource exactly immediately because you're demonstrating to your listeners, to your viewers, what your why is. Yeah, it's it's so, um, I think for every one of us, 
who are on Whole Care Network or who are raising our raising our hands and lifting our voices to talk about it. It's more than a passion. It's personal. And that's what makes it a true passion is that it's so personal. And we, in the end, none of us, we all know how we felt in our time alone. And in those moments, when you felt in that aloneness, the, that's where we all keep saying, you're not alone. 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 We're there with you. You can have these bad thoughts. You can have the good thoughts. You can have pooparamas. You can have, you're going to have all these things that you never expect because no one has compiled it fully and said to say, here's the, the idiot's guide to caregiving, because honestly, it's so different, yet it's so much the same. That's the, the hardest right. thing to wrap around your, your head around because it is so individualized, yet the commonality, the thread that we all have this shared experience. It doesn't matter what diagnosis it is. It doesn't matter how it doesn't old. matter. It doesn't that's matter. Why that's why there's no strangers when it comes to the true. caregiver. So true. Yeah. You know that's what time true. it is, Jay? Oh, I can't even imagine. <laughs> time for more coffee, I know. Oh, it's sister question time. It is. Sister oh my question. god, am I so am I used to sister questions in my life? <laughs> oh my god, am I used to sister questions? So, Check. for anyone that does not know, Chris is known as the bow tie guy. That's now, true. If you're not watching uh on Zoom or video, Chris has a really long beard right now. So, if he <laughs> so has a bow tie, and I didn't put my bow tie on. This morning, so my apologies. But that's okay. But I need to know, like, okay, how long has the bow tie guy been in place? The name, and then secondly, what's the story on the bow tie? Okay, so here's <laughs> I love these types of questions. What's I started story? wearing bow ties exclusively on my 40th birthday. Oh, well, you're only like 41, so it's so only you've a year. Been varying them you know, very infrequently. I, I've learned that birthday math from my sisters because they <laughs> they all they 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 all have that kind of math mm-hmm, also mm-hmm. But no but i you know i i'm an honest little brother oh let's uh, have it uh, so that's 26 years okay mm. I've been, and really do you would you expect me to wear a straight a straight tie yeah, <laughs> like, yeah exactly that's a whole other question but we go forward in this car i use that line in my yeah in my honestly we go do you forward expect me in to wear a straight car. tie what do you want <laughs> yes. uh but so um 26 years in a bow tie years. that has got to have a background uh, well uh, you know i you know my father used to wear bow ties yeah. uh um i just kind of like the look and it's fun and, and uh it's a conversation piece. It is. I love and bow ties. I like to say, and I, it's, it's probably out in some of my bios, you know, wearing a bow tie is like wearing two smiles. Mm, love it. It's so true. Love bow it. Ties yeah, are, like, they're friendly. They're happy. They're you know? friendly. They're happy. They're conversational. Um, uh, you know, I, up until recently, I got <laughs> up until recently, I, I you know, I, I had about a hundred of them. Um, but, uh, again, I'm going to, I know it's a, you are question. the Imelda Marcos. I'm the Imelda Marcos. But, yeah. you know, I have a great nephew, uh, who told my niece, and of course my nieces and nephews, they all call me the F U. Yes. Favorite uncle. Yes. So, uh, my niece and I call my sisters, the fab four. <laughs> so I always, uh, but my niece uh, said, you know, um, 
what are you going to do with your bow ties if something happens to you? I said, what? I said, because her son likes to wear bow ties. So I'm thinking, this conversation happened a number of years ago. So you know what I did this year? I packed up about 70 of my bow ties and sent it to him without notice. Mm. Just That's the best gift. It was the best gift. You know, I don't, I, I, you know, I have my favorites. I have the ones that I started out with 26 years ago and I kept some of my favorites, but you know, it's kind of like, um, why not give things away now that you know, somebody else is going to enjoy. Yeah. You get to see the joy. I get to see the joy. And I had, you know, I, I, um, now I'm the bearded bow tie guy, but, uh, I, you know, I just, you know, to me, it's always been a conversation piece yeah. and it's always been a way to, to, uh, make people, uh, you know, cause I'm might, might be difficult for some people to realize this, but I'm kind of reticent in a, in a large group. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, it's just part of my style. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I love just it. Love them. It's yeah. an extension of your personality. It is. Thank you. It is Thank an you. extension. It is. All right. So last question. Favorite question. What is your favorite guilty pleasure? Oh, goodness gracious, St. Ignatius. I have not ever been asked that. What is my Saint favorite Ignatius? What is that. your favorite guilty pleasure? What is my favorite guilty pleasure? You don't have to um, share it. Nothing stop, with anyone. Stop. I'm sorry. That's right. Yeah, my favorite guilty pleasure. Well, beignets at Cafe du Monde in New Orleans. Do you have coffee or milk? With extra powdered sugar. Oh, who doesn't love powdered sugar? Do you get that in your beard? And I, I I love the remnants of it in my beard because the because the aroma of the powdered sugar and the and the fried donuts. it wafts. So I'm not showering for a day. Oh, I love that. That's awesome. I'm going to tell you this. We're going to New Orleans. I know. Our next podcast yes, will be in New Orleans. Second home for me. Yeah, so yeah. I love it. Chris, you are so fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us today. You are a blessing. You are just an inspiration and you are a joy. So a thank you so much for sisters coming on. Too. Yeah, I, we're we'll honoring sisters. You. Yeah. And, and Thank you for uh, being a part of the whole care network and sharing your story with so many people that need to hear it. It's an honor. Yeah. Truly is. Well, everybody, thanks for listening. And I know that you'll be blessed by Chris and his, his story and his words of wisdom and Cooperama. So we'll see everybody (laughs) next time when we confess again. Thanks so much. Well, friends, that's a wrap on this week's confession. Again, thank you so much for listening. But before you go, please take a moment to leave us a review and tell your friends about the Confessions podcast. Don't forget to visit our website to sign up for our newsletter. You'll also find the video recording of all of our episodes on the Confessions website and our YouTube channel. Don't worry, all the details are included in the show notes below. We'll see you next Tuesday when we come together to confess again. Till then, take care of you.
Okay, let's talk disclaimers. You may be surprised to find out, but we are not medical professionals and are not providing any medical advice. If you have any medical questions, we recommend that you talk with a medical professional of your choice. As always, my sisters and I at Confessions of a Reluctant Caregiver have taken care in selecting the speakers, but the opinions of our speakers are theirs alone. The views and opinions stated in this podcast are solely those of the contributors and not necessarily those of our distributors or hosting company. This podcast is copyrighted and no part can be reproduced without the expressed written consent of the Sisterhood of Care, LLC.